In the name of the one holy and living God, amen. It's hard to hear these words from Paul's letter to the Romans without suddenly seeing the pews populated by people we have loved and buried from this place. So recently, J.T. Shrigley over there in the chancel, Judy McDade up front in her wheelchair, Ellen Compton near her good friend, Jean Market. Going back a little further, Betty Thomas in the third pew on the end handing out peppermints to children returning from communion. How often a family chooses this reading from Romans for the burial service. What a comfort it is to hear Paul's assurance that nothing, nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. They are especially a comfort when we're not ready to let go or when the final illness was so hard, or when the one lost was too young, or when something was left unsaid and remains moldering in the heart. A few days ago, I listened as a mother recounted the death of her young adult son. As a teenager on the verge of his graduation from high school, her son was in a terrible automobile wreck, the EMS found him without pulse or breath. By the time she arrived at the hospital, he had been revived and was anxious to see her, anxious to tell her that he had been to heaven. He told her about all the people he had seen that she knew, about the indescribable beauty of everyone and of all creation. He told her of animals unlike any we've seen and butterflies too vivid for words. For a long time afterward, he would try to describe what he'd experienced, and she would try to understand. You mean they were all beautiful like movie stars? She might ask. No. No, it was a beauty unlike ours. It was, it was a beauty of love. Everyone and everything was total love. It was all love and only love. Mom, you would have loved it. I wanted to stay, but God told me I had to return. God told you? You saw God? What did God look like? No, it... It wasn't like that. I didn't need to see God. I couldn't see God. God was all and everywhere. There was no separation. I just understood as if I'd been told. I understood I had work to do, but I can hardly wait to go back. We've all heard stories like this. Some of us have even lived to tell them. What I heard that stays with me in this one is how he was changed by that experience. 
His mother explained that he had always been one to see the world in black and white terms. He had a strong sense of right and wrong and good and bad, truth and falsehood. She said he'd been gentle enough. He was always quick to confess and the first to apologize. But he had also sorted the world into categories. He could be quick to judge and had little interest in those different from himself. After the accident, all that changed. His world was no longer black and white, but only gray. Heart-rending shades of gray. He seemed to feel a connection to everyone and was often tugged towards strangers in ways his, mother's, his mother and others might, might find baffling. She remembers, in particular, the time they walked into Walmart together when he suddenly veered away from her and moved directly toward an elderly woman at the checkout. As he approached her, he opened his arms, and the old woman fell into them, sobbing, crying, How did you know? How did you know? Over the next four years, he lived as if nothing in all creation could separate him from the love of God. He was so sure of that connection that he was willing to risk appearing foolish just to share that love. The summer before he was to begin graduate school, he walked into the kitchen to find his fiancée and his mother laughing. Somehow the topic of heaven came up, and he told them both, Oh, you're going to love it. I can't wait to go back. Both fiancé and mother were quick to say, Not so fast. We want you here with us. But he kept on. I'd go back in a heartbeat. Which he did. Two weeks later of natural causes in his bed. His mother can still remember asking him, where did you go that night of the accident? Where is heaven? He answered, I don't know. Maybe, maybe right here. And isn't that what Jesus is always telling us in the Gospel of Matthew? The kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus is not talking about a sequence of time as if to say, when this life is over, we will inhabit the kingdom of heaven. He's speaking of an eternal reality, the deepest reality at the heart of all, all that is. <clears throat> God is here to reconcile, to heal, to make all things new. Jesus is always inhabiting that reality and doing all that he can to make it plain to the rest of us. And parables like the ones we heard today are one way Jesus tries to cast a vision of that reality. The kingdom of heaven is as ordinary and available as weeds, as precious as a singularly perfect pearl as intimate and suffusive as yeast is to bread, 
as surprising as hidden treasure and as abundant as the fish in the sea. The kingdom of God is hidden in plain sight. But to see that, to begin to have eyes for that deeper reality at work in the world takes practice. Most often we only see what we expect to see, which in turn reinforces our expectations about the world around us and how it seems to work. With practice, however, and maybe a bit of grace, we may catch a glimpse of the kingdom obliquely, just just beyond the corner of our eye. Emily Dickinson puts it this way. Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. The, tu- the, truth, must, the truth must dazzle gradually or every man be blind. The healing work of Magdalene House, our home for women who have survived trauma, sexual exploitation, addiction, and incarceration, is plain enough for any to see. If you follow along, you've heard big news of graduations and restored custody of children. What you likely don't see is the quiet substrate of how they, in turn, bring healing into our community. These very days, when so many of us remain shuttered in our homes, they are out delivering boxes of goods to shut-ins or crafting and affixing, encouraging messages to the windows of people isolated in nursing homes, where even their own families are not permitted to visit. Other times the kingdom of heaven is as plain as day and so ordinary we might miss it if we're not looking. Our parishioner, Adam Cox, has has always been one you could call if your car broke down on the highway by profession. He is a mobile mechanic and a good one. He's still here and still repairing cars, but now he's sold his business and opened Uplift Auto, a nonprofit to serve people in desperate financial situations, people for whom the cost of a car repair might take food off the table or who risk losing a job and income for lack of reliable transportation. Look closer yet and you will find the generosity of people who contribute to his good work so that his family also has what it needs even as they give themselves away. What a shame it would be if we only inhabited the kingdom of heaven after we took our last breath. What a thrill it would be to lean into that reality with every breath we take. Not only in every hardship, distress, or persecution, or famine, or peril, or pandemic, but in the ordinariness of daily life to find with St. Paul the spirit at home in our hearts, whispering to us and sighing to God. Until listening and working together, we are more and more conformed to the likeness of Christ. 
how our lives would widen and brighten if we could occupy more faithfully the kingdom of heaven here and now and take heart as we find it in things as common as seeds, as pervasive as yeast, as gleaming as a pearl, and in things as miraculous as a young man walking into Walmart with empty arms and a full heart. Amen.